0: There's a lot of photographers like myself that do both photography and podcasting. But there's very few working commercial and portrait photographers that do a podcast, also run an entire website on photography related applications, and do a daily YouTube show having to do with photography. But today's guest, he does just that. And we'll be discussing his image, the bread baker of Tbilisi, on this episode of Behind the Shot. We'll And welcome again to another episode of Behind the Shot. I'm your host, Steve Brazzle, and this is the show where we try and get inside the mind of great photographers. We try and go behind their mind a little bit, behind their shot, as it were, and try and figure out how they work a job, how they work a shoot from conception to completion and all the challenges and stories that might happen in between. We take one shot, we dissect it a little bit. As always, if you drop by the Google Play Store, if you drop by iTunes and drop us a review, I would appreciate that very much. Whatever it is, just be honest. I'm okay with that. So today's guest is somebody that's a little bit special. I've known about this guy for years and years, and I had the privilege of meeting him a few years ago through a mutual friend of Twip fame Frederick van Johnson. Um, this gentleman is amazing in the sense that I don't think he actually sleeps. Uh, <laughs> he is a working photographer and yet also is a content creator on the internet, like very few people, including a daily show on YouTube. It's the infamous Photo Joseph. Joseph, thanks for joining me, man. Steve, thank you very much for having me on. Uh, I appreciate your being here. And and I want to touch on you just a little bit here. Uh, first of all, it's Photo Joseph, but your real name, Photo uh, Joseph, Lin- I started to say Photo Joseph is your real <laughs> see, name. That, that could yeah. be. And that's your real name. We're going to go I've, with I've it. been with working
1: it. hard to get there. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, I could see your parents yelling at the door. Photo Joseph. Dinner. There, pretty much. Uh, Joseph Linashki is is your real name. Um, Joseph is an Oregon-based photographer commercial portrait photographer Mm -hmm. educator uh the creator of photoapps.expert which is a great website you got to go there for all your learning stuff um
1: you're known as photo joseph how did that come about you know we can actually blame our mutual friend frederick van johnson that you already mentioned he's getting two shout outs in uh, in two minutes here he it's all his fault i was i had joseph still have it you know that that's my name that's my website and um you know how hard it is to get somebody to type in josephlnashki.com and actually I spell it right? I know how to
0: spell your name and you still and I misspelled
1: do it. it as I was typing notes. It's my name and I misspell it. So it's pretty tough, right? It can be so anyway, so one time I'm talking with him on the phone or video chat whatever and, and he goes, you know, you got to do something about this name and we start poking around and he finds that photojoseph.com is available. And so I registered it right away. And Sat on that for a little bit, and then as I started to really kind of come to enjoy it and own that, and go, it's you know it's a little bit cheesy. There's a little cheese to it, but I'm gonna own it. And I just started rolling everything over to that. So I ended up with the, the Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, everything for Photo Joseph. And it took a long time because things I already had like I already had Twitter. I didn't want to throw away all my followers, and the Photo Joseph name was already being used, but it was a dead account. So it took I had to petition Twitter, and it took years before they released that? it. You can do that. If you have an account, if, if you find an account that is dormant, technically, if it's over, I don't remember now, two, maybe three years unused, Twitter will release it. But you, you have to petition them for it. And it takes a long time and it took years. But I finally got it. And I had already had Instagram saved, but I wasn't using it because it was my I, I wanted a name that matched my Twitter name, which used to be Travel Junkie. So I had that. And so I was able to switch that one over. Once I got the Twitter, I switched over the Instagram and uh, started rolling everything else over to it. And I, the final piece of the puzzle came in. It was either beginning of this year, maybe it's the end of last year. I got uh, Google, YouTube to change my name officially on YouTube to Photo Joseph.
0: which, which as I was looking up links for you, I actually found a link for uh, <laughs> Joseph Linashki on YouTube mmm but then when you sent them to me it was photo joseph I'm like I must have found the wrong one I'm not quite sure and and sure enough yeah it's it's photo joseph you you as a photographer I mentioned you are a working commercial portrait photographer along mm-hmm. with all the content that you create mm-hmm. uh but some of your clients are you know bucket list items uh Apple Mercedes-Benz Panasonic um the the singer the the artist seal, seal. Mm-hmm. uh US Army Reserves I mean you've got a you've got a resume behind you that's insane and along with shooting those types of really large commercial clients you've created a ton of content so you have photo apps the podcast correct you have photoapps.expert explain to me what that is
1: so that actually started off as aperture expert for those who they're still lamenting the demise of Aperture from Apple. My history goes back to the, to Apple. I used to work at Apple. Aperture was one of the products I was primarily focused on there. And when I left Apple in two thousand nine, I launched a website called Aperture Expert, and it was all about Aperture. Obviously, it was a, a support place for Aperture users, tips and That's tricks. That's actually and where where I her- first heard of you from. Oh, okay. All right, so that goes back quite a way. That was two thousand nine, maybe twenty ten, when I launched that, and. When Aperture died, I had to figure out what to do with the site because it was obviously having it as Aperture Expert was no longer valid. And it took a little while there. It went through a couple of transitions, but it, what, it, what finally came out the other end was photoapps.expert. So it's a site that is dedicated to all photo apps, and that can be apps on iOS, on Android, on macOS, on Windows. It doesn't matter. It's, if it's a photo-based app, photo-related app, then it's fair game on the show. And, on, and on let's the, be clear. Site.
0: It's not photoapps.expert.com. Correct. Don't do the dot .com. It's dot .expert and story. Yeah, .expert to TLD that a lot of people don't realize is there, but you can get a... Yeah, and actually, uh, some of the new custom, uh, you know, top-level domains that they're coming out with are really, really nice. Um, Yeah. The website that I'm going to refer people to at the end is a .info, which I like because the way you're using it to me is exactly how it should be used. Right, right. Um, Along with being a photographer and content creator podcaster with the photoapps.expert and podcast. You are an educator. You do do you know talks and and lectures and and presentations. Uh, you lead various workshops. Mm-hmm. And you've got some coming up. We'll talk about it's in the blog post. All the links for for Joseph are in the pod are in the blog post. But we'll talk about them at the end of the podcast as well. Um, you're a Lynda.com instructor, correct? Uh, and you are a Panasonic instructor. You've got a whole website. We'll talk about on that too. So you kind of do a little bit about everything. But one thing I wanted to touch on before we get into your photograph here is your YouTube series. Explain your YouTube series to people because I've watched it and like your three episode series on how you built your studio. (laughs) Forget photography at that point. Every podcaster should watch that three series. I'm serious. From lighting to sound to to set design to everything is in there. And yet it's also still photo related. Explain your show
1: sure sure so the show is photo Joseph's photo moment uh, i fortuitously today marks the one year anniversary of the show we just did a one year anniversary recording this morning And it is a, as you said, it's a live show. It's every weekday. So Monday through Friday or every working day, I take holidays off like normal people. And we go live at 9.30 a.m. Pacific at youtube.com slash photojoseph. And the whole idea of the show is to talk about something, anything photography related. I tend to avoid software because I have the whole photoapps.expert site for software. So this is a chance to talk about hardware tips and techniques, theories, just whatever, if it's photography related and it's not just still photography. When I say photography or photo, I'm talking photo and video. It's all pictures, still pictures, moving pictures. Um, as I said on another show recently, if it passes through a camera lens, I'll talk about it. Uh, if it's, if it has anything to do with cameras or photography or image making fair game. So let's 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 be clear then, because you are
0: obviously a, a, a strong Panasonic user, right? Um, but it's Nikon Nikon, if you prefer. Uh, I don't Canon, actually Panasonic uh, no, DJI because I am, Osmo's whatever.
1: Yeah, no I don't because I'm sponsored by Panasonic. I'm a Lumix Luminary. So that is the one area that I don't go out of that zone of of cameras. I only talk about Panasonic cameras and it's very clear I make it very clear upfront all the time I'm sponsored by Panasonic I'm not doing independent reviews. If I talk about the GH5, which has been a huge topic lately, I'm not talking. I'm not giving a review on it. If I find something that uh, I think is less than ideal, if I, you know, if there's a workaround, and say, like, okay, you know, maybe I wish it would do this better, but we can talk about how to get the best out of it. That's fine. But I'm never going to knock anything. I'm never going to say this is crap uh, because it's it's you know I'm sponsored by them, right? That's that is I am biased. I'm paid biased there, so I make that very clear. It's on the disclaimer in every single video, so people aren't wondering about that. But at the but same I, time, having watched your show. Um, the, the, the knowledge
0: that you put forth, let's put it that way, transcends every brand, Absolutely. right? I mean, you're, you're discussing general photographic topics, composition, how to use gear, exposure, right. um, things that every photographer can benefit from. I'm a Canon shooter and I love your show. So Thank you. everybody should, should go there. Uh, let, let's get into your shot here a little bit. This sure. shot when, when you and I were bouncing back and forth over email going, what shot can we discuss? You know, what's a good story, but what's also a, a really unique type of shot that 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 uh, most people will never get. Um, this shot came across my email and I went, what the hell is happening here? <laughs> um, explain to me, first of all, as as I bring this shot up, uh, this is a baker, apparently. That's right. Fred Baker. Where is this? Tbilisi, Georgia, it's Republic of Georgia.
1: So how did you end up in Tbilisi, Georgia? Okay. So I was there for a workshop with John Stanmeyer. I was there as a student, not instructing. So many people are familiar with John Stanmire He's got an incredible, incredible history of photography. If you go to stanmaierworkshops.com, please do go check out what he does. His workshops are phenomenal. And his, the idea behind his workshop is not a traditional kind of, you know, come here and learn how to push the button, take a picture, set the camera. His workshops are storytelling workshops. Every student there had a different story to tell. Every student there had to come in with their idea pretty well baked, and and of course those ideas evolved as we were on the ground. But we were there as if we were on assignment for National Geographic or something. That was the idea. Treat this like a Nat Geo assignment. You are digging in and telling the story. Every single a photographer. A photojournalism exercise. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Every every photographer had a fixer, a local you know, local fixer who could translate, show us around, get us into places, open doors for us, and. They were, that whole experience was about telling the story of whatever it is your your chosen story is. And then you'd work with John every day, uh, sit down with him, go through your photos, talk about what you're doing, how you're succeeding, where your failures are. He'd look at your pictures and go, you're on the right track or this sucks, go somewhere else. You're not, you're not, you know, doing what you can and so on. And it was an incredible, incredible experience. I went because I love the idea of doing this. I love the idea of learning from someone like John, who's just a phenomenally accomplished photographer. And to get this different perspective on what you try to do every day, but you know you can you never stop learning. You can always always get better. And so I took this workshop this was last year, last summer. And to and be I, clear, Tbilisi, Georgia, is former Soviet republic, right? Right, that's right. Yeah, borders Russia. Yeah, it's a it's a phenomenal place. And I'd never been there before. It was my first time there. And so my story was the food of Georgia, because I. People who follow me on Instagram know I kind of like food, and so I did a whole thing on the this story of the food, and that was the idea behind it. And uh, this this particular shot was a, a little bit of little bit of happenstance, just right place, right time, and uh, you know, a lot of luck and a lot of having the camera set just right. <laughs> well, what is he doing? What, what is what is what is happening? Okay, so here's what you're looking at. The you know what a tandoori oven is, yeah. This is basically a huge tandoori oven. It's the same concept. It's a it's electric coils on the bottom. It's not he fire wood-fired. But it is a big clay oven that is a a bowl-shaped oven. And what he's doing and he is he's slapping bread on the side of the oven just like a a um What do you call it? Not a pita. The the bread that you make in a tender oven. Sorry, I forget what that's called. But just like that. Non-bread? Non-bread. There you go. Thank you. Just like non-bread, it's slapped onto the side of the clay oven and that's where it bakes and then it's peeled off to be eaten. It's the same thing here. So he's got, and you don't really see, there's one in the back left side you can see on the tabletop there, one piece of dough that's left behind that hasn't gone in yet. And it's a bit oblong shaped. And that oblong shaped bread, kind of like a baguette, except that it's a lot skinnier at the ends get slapped onto the inside of the oven and the bread that comes out, it's always curved. It's got a big curve to it. It's not like a subtle curve. It's got a big curve to it. And that is their traditional way of cooking. So what he's doing is he's slapping it on there and he would quite literally rock in, rock his head down into the oven to kind of dive in, slap it on the, on the side and then rely on gravity to rock himself back out again and not go head first into the oven. I was just gonna say, did you walk up to? I mean, like where he's at? Is it hot right there? Oh yes, this is underground. So we walked by. We're walking down the street, and there's this tiny little door, a little stairway going down into this place. And we walk by and hit by the smell of fresh baking bread. So you know, it's one of those. You, you walk by a couple steps, and you go, oh, "Oh, excuse me, let me back up a couple steps." What was that? That smelled kind of awesome. And stuck our heads in there, and it's dark, and you know, stick your head and can't really see much. Go a couple steps down, stick your head in farther. You're punched in the face. By got to be 110, 120 degree heat. It's just insane heat down there. The whole And room. he's down there doing his thing. And then he pops his head up and goes, uh, hey, what's up? And so my fixer, he didn't speak English. My fixer was translating and explained what I'm doing and asked if we could come in and, and take some pictures. And we ended up chatting with him for probably in there for a good half hour or so. And he's just doing his work. And while we're chatting and filling us in on his life story, telling us who he is and how he ended up there and so on. And uh, it was just this a phenomenal experience. But this moment was pure happiness. This was at the beginning of it. I kind of walked in just in time to see him doing this, snap this picture and then shot a bunch more after that. But this is that one fleeting moment and I never saw this exact moment again. It was, was this before or after you talked to him? Before. This is walking in. We walked in, in there for seconds, saw this and went click. I mean, this is just crazy. Really? Yeah. So th- there was no setup. No What did and you shoot this with? This is shot on a Lumix GX85 which is a really small micro four thirds camera. It is, uh, the lens it's on, there's a Leica 15 millimeter F1.7 lens. So it is a very fast, very sharp, very high quality lens. And looking at the metadata on there, it was ISO 1600. It probably would, would have been set to auto ISO. I usually shoot an auto, uh, sorry, an aperture priority with auto ISO on when I'm in unpredictable situations like this, which obviously this was. So shot wide open and uh, so yeah, ISO 1600. It actually looks like it was F2 at a 60th of a second. And but, what did you do white balance wise? Well, I would have been auto white balance. I probably fixed this a little bit in post. I think the white balance is probably a little bit funky because there's, you can even tell in the photo, there's two different colored light bulbs in there. So it's two different color temperatures. The one in the back that's blue looks like it's probably a CFL light. And then the one in front, I don't know, probably a standard, um, what do you call them? Standard incandescent bulb. So right. totally mixed lighting temperature. Uh, i think i think i cooled it down a bit i think i remember the original bit a little bit warmer than this you know but i kind of like the
0: fact that you've got the two different colored light bulbs it's mm-hmm. actually by the way for f2
1: and it's got to be because you're at 15 millimeters there's a lot of depth of field here yeah yeah so that's a combination of right it's it's a 15 mil lens so that's a 30 mil equivalent at full frame it's f2 but on full frame you know equivalent that's a bit bigger aperture so yes yeah, not like it's super shallow depth of field but, um, and especially at this distance, I'm not right up to him. I mean, if I was up close to him, then we'd have more bokeh. But this is, so this, I don't know, will this kind of way. help.
0: this will kind of help the people that do street photography, but also the ones that do any event photography that's more photojournalism style is, you're walking down the street, you end up in this bread baker's place. He's in the oven and your camera, boom, you need to take a picture. So yeah. it was whatever kind of it was set at pretty much, I'm guessing. Right. So you're at F2, you're in aperture priority. What did you say the shutter was on this? It was a 60th. Okay, 60th of a second is what it ended up at in, in aperture priority. But at the same time, I'm guessing because he's moving in and then coming out, there's motion. What were you doing focus-wise? What was your camera set to focus-wise?
1: Was it in a tracking mode or? No, so usually something like this. It's, it's autofocus, but single autofocus. And on the Lumix cameras, you can set it so that the touchpad on the back of the camera, the, the LCD acts as a track pad, if you will. So if you look through the viewfinder, you can use your thumb to move your focus point. And it's the fastest way to put your focus point exactly where you want it. So in the process of shooting something like this, and, you know, it's not like I remember exactly what I did It's you know, muscle memory pretty much, but you, you pick up the camera um, as it's coming up to your eye, put the thumb on the LCD. I can push that focus point wherever I want. So it comes up to the eye simultaneously throwing the focus point down towards the bottom of the frame and snap the picture. And the camera is going to focus virtually instantly. And the picture, there you go. You got it. And it's, you know, whatever you had it set to, which is why I have, I keep it in aperture priority, keep it on auto ISO, usually be wide open. The fact that it's at F2 is probably a mistake. It's probably because I bumped the aperture inadvertently from 1.7 to F2. Not that it's that big of a difference, but I usually So you would normally have would have that. kept that lens at 1.7? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Would you see any, I mean, I, I don't shoot that camera. No, nah, you lens. Wouldn't see it. No, you wouldn't Would see you have difference. seen a big depth of field difference at 1.7? No. no, not at all. Not, not at 15 millimeters. No. So you walk in the building because, it, I'm, I'm really intrigued by this now. <laughs> in my head, it was you walked in, you talked to him and, you know, you prearranged it. And, you know, do you mind if Joseph takes some photos? No, go ahead. I'm just going to go on with my work. And you stood there and took some shots. The fact no. that this was taken as soon as you walked in begs to ask, how the hell did you get this kind of great composition? <laughs> um you know, did you, were you just lucky that the spot you were standing was the perfect spot to capture
1: him where he is that table with the single piece of dough left? Yeah, Um, pretty much. I mean, you can, you can tell that I'm up a little bit. So that tells me that I was still on the steps coming down into the place. So I was just walking down and saw this and grabbed it. I mean, you know, how it's, you know when it comes to this kind of thing it's all just it's muscle memory this is this is what you get for shooting well for but you a really must have done time.
0: one thing which is a good lesson for everybody and that is you were prepared yeah. you walked in knowing you were going to shoot something so you didn't have your camera hanging around your neck or on your side you obviously must have had it in your hand ready to go
1: yeah camera is always either in my hand or if i'm wearing it it's it's kind of bandolier sling style so that i can very quickly just pick it up and it's it's uh the the way that I'll wear a camera like this, because it's got a short, stubby lens, It's you don't have to have it with the lens hanging down. It can be sticking straight out. So it's just, it's, you know, it's like pulling a gun out of a holster. It's just hand up, grab that camera and go. It's super quick and easy to get to. So it's either that or I was carrying it. Obviously, I don't remember. So now I'm going to bring
0: up the elephant in the room <laughs> because, and, and don't answer it yet, but my question is going to relate to, did you add any light? And the reason I'm asking it is, this comes from my image critique sure. uh, in, in image competitions. You've got two bulbs that I see. Mm-hmm. The shadows don't match those bulbs at all. Well, there's three bulbs. But even I there. Think, well, actually, that might be a that might be. See, a I, I thought that the one that, that bright spot closest to us past the, it looks like a pipe across the ceiling. Um, yeah, that's probably glare. Okay. I thought that was glare from the second bulb. But if you look at the shadow of his legs, and more importantly, the table behind his legs, the shadow of that table, those shadows are going back 45 degrees to our right and back. So sure. was there light by you?
1: Did you add light? Well, I certainly didn't add light. Um, the, I, so there must I, have, I have been know. another there bulb. Have, there might have been another bulb. Um, there could have been another bulb that'd be kind of more above my head. But the, since the foreground is so dark, I kind of doubt it. I think it's just that the, if you look at that first bulb. So like I said, the line that's probably a pipe in the ceiling. And there's the bulb right behind it so we're going to assume that the light spot in front of that line is a glare and i think you're right that probably is so if you look at that line that's the pipe and you follow that down that matches it pretty much lines up with the front of that table that small four-legged coffee table looking thing not coffee table but whatever, whatever that small like end table thing. And so that light bulb would be right next to that, so that would make sense that the light is shooting back at a forty-five degree angle.
0: Yeah, actually, I guess it would because actually, looking at his leg now, if you look at his right leg, the back of his right leg is a hot spot uh, yep. from that light, and that's what it. So that really, the light is shining down on him, creating those shadows, but yeah, exactly, the illusion. The shadows are going back.
1: Yeah, it is pretty much straight above him, isn't it? That uh, yeah, maybe a little bit often, but yeah, it's pretty much right above him. Otherwise, the you know the shadow on his the side that's facing me, that's all in shadow. So the light is just a little bit past him from where I'm standing. See, and and I
0: jump on that because, and this is something years ago, I I think I heard Zach Arias mention it first. Um, You know, when I was first learning composition and things like that, and that is, you know, geometric shapes and triangles. And there's a triangle between the shadow of his leg and his leg. There's a triangle where the shadow of the leg of the table makes. Um, You've got curves in the right spot. You've got gradients in that ceiling that are soft and 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 just really the warmth on the tables, but the coolness on the curtain in the far back granted, it's the two different light bulbs, but you kept it that way. And a lot of people would have selectively warmed up the back of that shot to match the front, but, but it makes you feel it. It adds to the 3d depth of the room Mm -hmm. and makes you feel more photojournalistic that I'm in that room with this guy. Those are all choices that you made not to fix something. So what did you do in post to this?
1: You know, I probably should have pulled up the old file to see exactly what I did, but um, I don't think it's cropped. I'm pretty sure this is not cropped at all. And if anything, a little white balance, I don't think there's even any dodging and burning. I might have done a little bit of color tweaking, but like you pointed out, I certainly didn't try to balance out the lights because like you just said, I like that difference of the two different light temperatures in there. Um, I'm pretty sure I did cool it a little bit, the whole scene, just to make the white balance feel a little bit more to what I remember, to what I saw. that's probably about it. There's not a whole lot done to this image. You know, what's amazing. I'm, I'm,
0: I'm looking at this as, as we're sitting here. Um, and the shadow, I mean, effectively a shadow area, right? an unlit area at the front of the oven, our side of the oven Mm -hmm. has such detail for being in shadow that it looks like a pebbly type floor has such detail through the shadows of his legs.
1: Um, the Panasonic is amazing. <laughs> it's a great camera. I got it. I really do love it. Um, and that that particular one, the GX85 is a really fun little camera because it's so small. It was the first one that they removed the anti-aliasing filter from it. And so you get, even though it's only 16 megapixel, you get a sharper image than you probably normally would. And um, it's just, I think it's great. I just absolutely love that camera. I love the image quality out of it. I love the colors you get out of it. It's a favorite. I, I've
0: never shot micro four thirds. Do you... Do you
1: um... Do you
0: prefer a micro four thirds over a,
1: a, you know, full frame or, or crop sensor SLR? I do. I do. So I'll I'll tell you a little story of how I got into there. So I used to be a unabashed full frame snob, right? That's all. I'm shooting less than full frame, please. I'm a real photographer. Real photographer shoot full frame, right? And that was, that was for a long time. I actually, I started my first DSLR. So I shot film back, you know, hundred years ago. And I kind of got out of photography a while, for a while, got back into it. When I got back into it, my first digital slr first dslr was a canon 20d which is a crop frame sensor an apsc sensor 1.6 yeah okay and now you know this this is phenomenal digital this is really cool having fun with it and then i was at a photography show and i was looking at another photographer's images and there was something different that i couldn't quite put my finger on what is it about these there's something better some quality about this that's just better i don't get it what is it and finally he goes full frame I I think at the time, I honestly didn't even know what he was talking about. I didn't get it. I didn't understand full frame versus APS-C, whatever. So, uh, okay. So then the next camera that I got was the 5D, which was full frame. And then, okay, now I see it. Now I get it. That big sensor. So that was it. I'm I'm a full frame snob. There's no, I do not shoot anything less. And then years and years and years later, uh, a friend of mine, who's a bit of a camera collector, had shipped me a few cameras to play with. And there was a Leica S2, the big medium format Leica. That was one that I really wanted to play with. He sent me that. He sent me a Fuji something, I don't remember what, and an Olympus OMD uh ME5. Which is oh, a what? micro four-thirds. Which is a micro four-thirds. And, of course, I shot with the Leica. That's what I wanted. That's what I was you know, trying to play with. And I shot a little bit with the Fuji, but it, he only had one really wide lens in there. It really, was, really wasn't my focal length. So I didn't get much use out of it. And he goes, did you try the Olympus? I go, no, no, no. That's micro four-thirds. I'm not going to bother. He goes, dude, try it. Come on, man. And he's a he's a camera collector. He's a camera snob. He Man, this guy, shoot. he can shoot anything he wants. He's got the money well, to shoot he, whatever he, he wants. Well, he owned a Leica medium format. Right, so. which he was willing to put in a box and FedEx to me. So, yeah. Um, so, he goes, dude, you got to try it. Fine. So, I just get it out one night start playing with it. And I think I was just on my couch just playing around. Focus. Boom. Nailed. Instantly, every time. Low light performance. Really good. The image, the JPEG coming out of the camera look really good. I'm going, man. I really, this camera is focusing way faster than my Canon's, first of all, especially in low light. Like, this camera is fun. So I shot with it more and more and I ended up buying one for myself. And then I started buying a couple of the Olympus and then I bought a couple lenses. And um, my eventual transition over to Panasonic was because I was buying, I found that the lenses that I was buying, I was buying more Panasonic than Olympus lenses. And so then the next body became a Panasonic body. and It just evolved into that. Uh, but once I started shooting micro four thirds and I realized, obviously, there are differences and there are advantages to full frame as there are advantages to the smaller micro four thirds. I love mirrorless. I love the size and the weight of the camera compared to a, a full frame camera. I pick up my Canon 5D. I still have them sitting upstairs in a box. I got a Canon 5D Mark II. I've got a 1DS Mark III. These things are monsters, absolute monster cameras. And I pick them up and go, my God, my wrist would hurt. My wrist used to hurt shooting these things all day long. Now I can pack... A body, even two bodies, two or three lenses into a tiny little shoulder bag. The image quality that I get is absolutely good. at just as good as what I was getting before. In some cases, better. I remember putting it up against the Canon. One of them, one of my favorite lenses, putting them side by side and getting sharper images out of the Lumix stuff. Yes, you get lower resolution. But even now with the 5D, uh, sorry, the 5D, <laughs> the GH5 uh, from Lumix, you have a 21 megapixel sensor now. So you're back well, up there with the resolution. This camera you shot this with, what megapixel was it? 16. That was 16. Your six, micro four thirds has been 16 megapixel for a really long time. And then with the GX8, Panasonic broke that barrier, went up to 20 megapixels, 20 and a half, something like that megapixels. Um, and that's where we're at now with the GH5 as well. So you get and that higher risk. this raw tension. or JPEG? Raw. Yeah. Yeah. Or raw. But I usually, sh- I always shoot raw plus JPEG. I do both because I like the color that comes out of the camera and the JPEG. I like tweaking it. I play with the color settings. I get it just the way that I like because ideally I don't want to have to mess with the picture. I right. want to, sh- I'd rather be shooting than editing. So if I can get a, an image out of the camera that is exactly what I want or really, really close to it, I'll just use the JPEG. You're done at that point. Would you, yeah. you a
0: Lightroom user, Photoshop user? <laughs> Not yeah, an amateur
1: user. <laughs> Sadly, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, Lightroom. Okay. And, and
0: last question then, somebody walks into a scene like this, what, what's your one tip that would help somebody? Because, you know, this is, this is a combination of environmental portraiture, photojournalism, Travel photography, um, there's a lot of things involved in doing a shot like this, sure. me- mentally, from, from your mental approach. So somebody is traveling and they walk into some scene like this, a cafe in Italy, whatever. What's your, what's your one main tip that would help somebody get better at this?
1: Shoot first, ask questions later. <laughs> okay. Because if, if, we had no idea. I walk into this place and I have no idea what the guy's gonna, how he's gonna react. Right. And I see a scene. I want this scene and I shoot it. Now, if the guy yells at me and he's really upset and he wants the picture gone, fine. You know, I'll delete it. I, I got no qualms with that. It's not like we are in his business after all. It's not like right. we're out on the street of street photography and I'm in a foreign country. I don't speak the language. I don't necessarily know what the rules are. But, you know, you take some risks and shoot first, ask questions later. I want to get that shot. If, if it pisses somebody off, I'll delete it. I'm not going to use a picture that somebody doesn't want me to use. Right. In most cases, maybe not always, but <laughs> it's... If you're waiting, the moment's going to be gone. And if you say, oh, that thing that you were doing when I walked in, can you do that again? It's going to be different. It's
0: never the same. It's never the same, ever. Never the same. And, and you said you never saw this type of a scene again. Right, right, yeah. right. So you, can, if-
1: you can try to recreate it. And you know what? I might have been able to recreate it better. Right? I may have been able to recreate, okay, you know what we really we need more bread on there so we know what's happening. Let's get more more uncooked bread out there. Let's make sure we can see some of the baked bread in the background. You know this light, let's let's move this light. Let's change that. let's Could you go a little bit different angle? And you know what, technically, I probably could have created a better shot had I taken the time to stage it. But it wouldn't be natural. It wouldn't be the real environment of what I walked into. But more importantly, it's not the way that I remember it, that, that moment that I walked in the door. And that was well, the
0: key. And more importantly to me is the, the approach that you had when you first went on this, this workshop. And that was you had a story that you had to tell. And that was the story. And as soon as you made the story and got involved in it, uh, it's not the story anymore. Right. So right. if people want to find out more about Photo Joseph, where can they go?
1: All kinds of places. But the easiest is just to go to joseph.info. That has absolutely everything listed on it. That has my photography website, photojoseph.com. It's got the photo apps.expert site. It's got links to the Photo Justice Photo Moment uh, YouTube show, live daily YouTube show. Got links to my workshops. It's all there. And, and on almost every social media, you are Photo
0: Joseph now. Also on Twitter, you have Photo Apps Expert. Uh, at photo apps expert for Linda. The easiest, do you, I don't know if you have links on, on joseph.info to Linda, do you?
1: I do. Oh yeah. That's on okay, there as perfect. well. But yeah, or if you're if Linda Just go to linda.com, just search for photo Joseph. You'll yeah, find Search it. photo Joseph and you'll find it. You'll find it for sure. And if you want to join me on a workshop and Steve, you should come with me. We should go do this together. Come with me oh. to Mexico, come to Oaxaca. We're going back down in October. Uh, it is uh we did one earlier this year in January. It was the, the first of our workshops and it's a, it's not just a photography workshop. It's a photography slash cultural tourism workshop. My partner in this, uh, Eric Mindling has been running cultural tourism tours, been doing cultural tourism in Oaxaca for 25 years. He's got a whole company down there. They do just all kinds of cultural tourism things. And we were talking once years ago and thought, wouldn't it be cool to combine our forces and make a photography workshop. And that's what we did. And January's was a beautiful, beautiful experience. If you go to photojoseph.com workshops, you will see a video there of the workshop that we already did. And we're signups are now open for this workshop in October. And uh, we'd love to have you guys come out. Man, you you or, a, and you want to, go on a workshop.
0: workshop would be awesome. It's a lot of fun. We, we have a good yeah. time.
1: It's not just so about taking
0: pictures. <laughs> here's the main thing is if you're looking for anything photographic oriented, most likely Photo Joseph had a hand in it. It's either a YouTube video, it's a workshop, it's uh, somewhere on his website, it's a podcast. It, he's pretty much everywhere. Just go Google Photo Joseph. You're going to find a ton of stuff. Joseph, I really appreciate your coming on, man, because I know how busy you. you are making this stuff.
1: <laughs> yep. As soon as, uh, as soon as we're wrapped here, I got to get back to shooting my GH5 training, which if you don't mind another plug in here, Do, it, do GH, it. gh5training.com. So as I said, I'm a Lumix luminary. I'm sponsored by, Lum- by Panasonic. I'm creating an entire workshop around, an uh, entire video course uh, around the GH5, learning how to get the most out of it. And we are about, uh, about halfway through shooting that right now. It's uh, already started in post-production that will be available on lynda.com. And it's also available for download from gh5training.com.
0: And keep in mind that for the blog post on thisweekinphoto.com, uh, you'll be able to find all of Joseph's links. I've got literally every link known to man in there having to do with <laughs> Photo Joseph. So just go to thisweekinphoto.com, find the behind the shot. You can also just go to behindtheshot.tv as a shortcut to get you there and uh, find this episode, and it'll get you everything that you need. So again, thank you, my guest this time around, Photo Joseph. This is uh, Behind the Shot, where we try and get inside the mind of great photographers by taking a closer look behind one of their shots. I'm your host, Steve Brazzle. We'll talk to you next time.